0: Welcome to The Sober Podcast, part of The Soberverse, created by the team at The Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com.
1: Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I'm your host Jamie Brickhouse, and today we have Evelyn Chesser as our sober liberty guest. Today, she's a 29 year old mechanic from Woodstock, Virginia, here to discuss her own recovery from xylazine. And our topic today is how I survived xylazine. And if you don't know what xylazine is, stay tuned. Um, I did not know what it was um, uh, until. Uh, we invited Evelyn on to to be our guest. And if you're not familiar with it, it's also known as TRANK. And it is killing many an active addiction. It's a central nervous system depressant that can cause drowsiness and amnesia and slow breathing, heart rate, and blood pressure to dangerously low levels. When mixed with opioids or other substances, xylazine increases the risk of life-threatening overdose is commonly heard Mm -hmm. of as being used as a cutting agent with fentanyl and is causing death and chaos to way too many. So to all our listeners, we are disclosing a trigger warning before we touch on this sensitive topic. So please tune out if you're sensitive to content focused on using and the detox process. Mm -hmm. So thank you for joining us on Sober Podcast, Evelyn. It's great to have you on the show, and I'm glad you're Mm -hmm. willing to share your experience, strength, and hope.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm honored. Thank you so much for having
1: me. So when did uh, Xylazine first come into your life?
2: Xylazine, so I've struggled with heroin addiction for 12 years. And um, when about five, six years ago, I started going to Baltimore to get cheaper drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, when I did that, I had no idea the nightmare that I was in for. I didn't know anything about Prank. i didn't even think that was a thing i just thought that if i had traveled a little farther to go to the city then i was just going to get the same heroin for a cheaper price so um during that time though um because i was still kind of a, an advanced stage of my use mm-hmm. um you know my iv access and my veins were all shot so i began injecting into my legs when i six years ago when i had got this you know fentanyl from Baltimore. Uh-huh. And immediately right away, um, I started noticing that my skin would turn purple and then would gradually turn black and then it would get severely infected. And oh. um, I had no clue what was going on. And um, I was too ashamed and embarrassed at this time because they, they started out very small, like little small spots like this, nothing mm-hmm. huge. And most of them would heal on their own. But um, there was a few that started growing in size and it smelled horrendous. It smelled like obviously de- decaying flesh because that's what it was. And when, when I went to the hospital, um, the first time that I actually went got medically addressed for this, I was incarcerated. And mm-hmm. at the time, I had like a palm-sized area that was on my hip bone that was completely rotten. My hip bone was hanging out it was and the thing is i had normalized this at this point because i was so isolated that i thought this was completely normal i had convinced myself that this was a normal part of life or maybe i uh didn't want to acknowledge it you know
1: yeah
2: so um it wasn't until aisle. that i yeah <laughs> until i got to jail that they were like <laughs> i literally told these people I, they were trying to make me take a shower and I did not tell them about what was going on with my hip. And I had slapped a gauze on it, thought that was sufficient. And I told them, I said, well, uh, do you have another gauze pad I can put on this? Because if I shower, then I'm going to not have the one that's already on there. That was my thinking. And they were like, you need to go to the hospital immediately. And. So they were like, no, this is very concerning. My hip, my leg was the size of an elephant trunk. My, you know, I had endocarditis and my heart. I was septic. I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, um, the doctors really didn't even explain to me. They didn't really know what the problem was. And so I was once again, just thinking, oh, you know, something, it was just some adverse reaction, but then I kind of spiraled into compulsively injecting into my scar tissue. Once they would remove it,
1: uh-huh. I would
2: I would inject around the scar tissue and further the damage. And this progressed to where from my knee down to my ankle on both sides, my calf is nothing but scar tissue.
1: Yeah. So um, when this was happening, you did you know that there th- this was heroin you were injecting, right?
2: I was under the impression it was fentanyl because the thing is, when I would um, be drug tested, I would be positive for fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And so and even in the heart of Baltimore, I never saw a single person like me. So and I had to walk with a walker. I couldn't walk for a better five years. And um, so I was like, this has to be just me. You know what I mean? I had no clue really what it was.
1: But so you until- thought you were you thought you were you were injecting fentanyl and yes. you did not think that the um, uh, adverse effects um, on your body were from the fentanyl. You, th- you thought it was something else. Uh, yeah. Under-
2: Well, it's like, I maybe thought it it was something else that they were putting in the drugs, but I didn't know what, you know, because, um, you know, I just, like I said, my hands were balloons. Um, Mm. I just had all these horrible legions all over my body. I smelled all the time and it was because of that shame that I found myself like diving further down. Like I couldn't, I could not stop myself. And it got to the point where my incarcerations were maximizing. I was -hmm. always in jail. The withdrawal was almost impossible. So, this is a big issue. People, this is a serious thing that people need to know about because it's not lab grade fentanyl like people assume it is. This is some. Synthetic stuff coupled with the xylazine, the, the solutions that we used to have in the past that could have worked that were options are no longer options anymore. So what do you do at that point?
1: So at what point did you discover that? Um, I mean, I assume you didn't even know what xylazine was, much less that it no. was. So at what point did you discover that I, this I discovered, xylazine?
2: I discovered that it was xylazine. Like, La- late last year. And the thing is, I happened to watch a news article about um, the heroin or fentanyl epidemic up in the Trank de- epidemic up in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And they were showing people who had these wounds on their legs. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that was me. And that's when they had mentioned that this was xylozine. And I was like, this makes total sense because I could not for the life of me during this whole entire time figure out why all the options that I had in the past that worked did not work. And I was utterly stuck. I had no idea. So it makes sense.
1: hmm hmm And um, the... Uh, uh, you said the, uh, the the street name for xylazine is trank as in as in short for xylazine yeah. correct correct and that's because of the effects of right. of xylazine um, right and compared to other substances you've experienced how was of course you didn't really know that it was xylazine but how, how did it how did the the effects of the drug in terms of the high um affect you
2: yeah. So there there were some very different effects from like normal heroin or other opiates um, that I did notice right away. Um, I got severe memory loss. Um, I would literally just forget parts of my day. Um, I had serious brain fog. I could not focus. I couldn't recall things or details or memories or anything. Um, it also, I noticed that you were, even if you were to get drank dope and for a moment, you might've felt like the withdrawal subside if you had did some, but shortly after that, you would be ragingly sick again. And so it was like you almost required way more than like a normal, you know, heroin dose just to maintain. Um, and just obviously the, 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 but the main part was the withdrawal part of it. So I do think, I do believe that there was synthetic fentanyl in there, but I don't think that it's as much as how much the they put in it.
1: Mm-hmm. And do do people um, seek out xylazine, um, you know, for, on their own, or is it more that the uh, that drugs are being cut with xylazine and people? I guarantee even-
2: you, yeah, I guarantee you that ninety percent of the people that are uh, buying the stuff on the street have no clue what xylazine even is. This is something that's just now getting talked about, mm-hmm. and uh, most people don't even believe when they say oh this is this is new on the scene it's not but just nobody knew what it was and nobody could figure out why their skin was falling off but um so I guess if they knew what that the Trank was in there, I guess in a way they would be technically seeking it out, but they wouldn't be seeking out for the Trank effects. They're just trying to have their withdrawal symptoms subside. I know in in my case, that's what I would do. Like, you know, as of today, like knowing what that was, like I wouldn't be like, damn, I really want some Trank, you know. (laughs) But (laughs) I just don't want to be sick. So whatever. Well,
1: on a side note, I was surprised to to hear that you were – That you were buying fentanyl because I thought fentanyl, um, you know, a lot of drugs are being cut with fentanyl and it's and it's and it's um, uh, highly dangerous and and often lethal. So I didn't know um, that people were seeking out fentanyl for the sake of fentanyl.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. My. uh... My issue was pretty advanced I there in been the end. And
1: I... For about fourteen years, so that's you know, so pretty naive with what's um, going on. But I do know about fentanyl. But anyway, go ahead. yeah,
2: no, it's um my issue is very advanced there in the end. I I actually had maxed out my tolerance. Like even mm-hmm. if I wanted to kill myself, I couldn't have because I my tolerance was so high to opioids that I could not even feel good if I wanted to. I was literally doing so much just to maintain a normalcy or what I thought was normal. Yeah. And it just spiraled so fast. On top of always being sick due to infections, it's just it's a nightmare.
1: Oh my god. Well, I'm I'm glad you're here and yeah. uh, and looking healthy today and we're going to yeah. uh, take a quick commercial break. Uh, Let's stick with us. We'll be right back.
0: Hi, I'm Sonia, the founder of Everbloom. We help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation. We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting.
1: And we are back uh, talking to Evelyn uh, Chesser and uh, about um, the, her heroin, heroin, I was going to say harrowing, but I, um <laughs> I slip, I said her heroin, but her harrowing um, today. <laughs> experience with um, xylazine known as trank on the streets. So I've heard many people share about detoxing uh, from drugs, not working with xylazine. Um, actually I haven't heard that. I just know I've, I've done a little bit of research before this and and what was your detox like?
2: Oh, (laughs) I would not wish it on my worst enemy. I, like I said, I had no clue what I was in for. All I knew is that I couldn't even get, I've cold turkey many times. Let me, let me lay that out there from many different types of, you know, opioids, heroin pills, black tar, um, detoxing from, xylazine was by far the hardest thing that I have ever done. I did not think that I was going to make it out alive. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Um, I've had some, the, the xylazine that's cut into this fentanyl, um, it, it exhibits some very interesting neurological symptoms. And some of those include, um, you know, you get the normal symptoms when you're detoxing from opiates like your bones and your muscles hurt you got restless legs the vomiting is intense you know just i i got the bad taste and smell everything smelled like rotting flesh um yeah and a burning body or something it's just it's evil and um you know, I was seeing double, my vision was double, um, I didn't sleep for three weeks straight um, without hallucinating. Mm. But um, neurologically, some things happened that I've, I hadn't experienced before in my prior, you know, times of cold turkey off of heroin and other opioids, which um, were that my body would clench, like it would clench on itself so hard, and my jaw and everything that I broke three of my teeth in the back of my mouth oh, um, no. just snapped them because I could not control it it was almost like a seizure um also my eyes rolled into the back of my head and <laughs> were stuck like that for four days straight I was oh, blind God. um and so you know it was very frustrating to be in distress like that on you know thrashing around stuck in a back bend you know just seized up like that and um like my diaphragm collapsed. So when I was breathing, I sounded like a pig. And that's, <laughs> I'm literally not, that's exactly how it was. And, um, but it's very hit or miss as far as the type of treatment that you get in a medical facility when you present like that, because they're still under the impression that, oh, heroin withdrawal doesn't kill you. Well, we're uh-huh. not dealing with heroin anymore.
1: Right. This is something uh-huh.
2: else. We have to come up with other solutions for this.
1: My God, it's amazing yeah. that, that you made it through that. So how did you make it to recovery?
2: So <laughs> I actually have a funny story is how I ended up in, in recovery. So I had needed surgery. I called my mom to come pick me up because I knew they were going to admit me. I had done this several times. And, and this, um, time this was in November of last year. Uh huh. And... um my mom came to pick me up, but then I had swallowed a whole bottle of clonopin, So I was in a blackout. And when I presented to the hospital, I was acting like a total moron. I was fighting. I was screaming at them, threatening to leave. Um, just in an angry Xanax blackout.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, my they were like, they, well, we can't keep her here. And so my mom was like, well, she has a felony warrant for her arrest.
1: <laughs> and
2: they were like, oh, well, when you say it like that, you know, <laughs> so they didn't tell me this, though. And so I wound up having surgery and um, but then they banned me from having visitors. They put a camera in my room. And so then I had tried to escape. Mm-hmm. So um, because I started feeling withdrawal. So I was like, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> and so you're a tough like, case. Yeah, I tried to escape from the hospital with nothing but socks on. And uh, I got tackled by like eight people. And I was hoping that someone stopped me because I was like, listen, I'm on autopilot right now. I am going to try, but I am tired. I am tired of all this. I need some help. I cannot do it on my own. You guys literally have to chain me to this bed. If I have the option to leave, I'm going to take it. And that's exactly what happened. They called the sheriff and they took me right back to the hospital. <laughs> they chained me to the bed there where I cold turkeyed it for another week and a half. And then I went to jail for a month and then I after that I was ready to change. I so um I you know asked the court if they'd let me go to a treatment program I had my eye on for a couple of years. Yeah. And an all women's program, amazing place, the recovery connection in Winchester. They really changed my life. And then after that, um, I had a court order to live with my mom, but then I went to court and they gave me time served and it went beautifully. So, you know, I wouldn't have changed a thing, you know, as far as like how I how I ended up here because, you know, I have a lot of, you know, hope to share. Like I knew I felt so lonely at that point in time. Right. And I felt like I was the only one. And if I, there's somebody listening that was in a similar position or know someone who is, you're not alone. There's people out there that deal with the same thing that have gone through it. And if, if I could, (laughs) you know, there's hope you definitely can.
1: Good. What, um, what keeps you, uh, clean and sober today?
2: What keeps me clean and sober? First of all, my perspective on life. Um, I'm a believer of Jesus. And um, I attend my aftercare meetings. I stay connected to, you know, my fellowship. And I work on cars. That's my passion.
1: Yeah.
2: And it makes me happy. I love animals. And so that that's kind of... And I also like to focus on like health and fitness. And you know, it's not... It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. That's just... And I stay grateful,
1: really gratitude is is the best what um what advice um can you give to anyone who out there who who is still using specifically um heroin and and other uh, opioids um and you know or are might be prone to that or know someone who who is about uh xylozine? i mean is there any
2: yeah, um so if you're if you are or you or you know someone who is dealing with xylazine and you have wounds on your body, um I would urge you to first of all seek medical attention. Um don't feel embarrassed or ashamed. You need to go. These things will not clear up on their own and this was a mistake that I made. I tried to prolong it, I tried to avoid it and I caused myself serious deformities and just misery. That wasn't necessary. Please seek medical help, um, and but also be aware that if you're on xylazine, that Suboxin is almost impossible to get on. Mm-hmm. But if you if you go to a methadone clinic, it is possible. It was successful for me in the past, but it involves like a you know an aggressive tapering schedule. And while going up on methadone, you have to get it right the first time. But um and also, you know, Kratom too kind of helps with the withdrawal, but it's once you're on xylazine, your tolerance is so high that it's it's very minimal. But and also tell on yourself and tell someone, don't live in secret. You know what I mean? Let somebody know yeah. exactly where you're at mm-hmm. and so that people can surround you. That was one of my biggest the like the best things that I did for myself was actually getting honest and stop lying about why I had wounds or why my hands look like balloons. And finally just being like, listen, I'm struggling. Someone help me.
1: Yeah. Right. Great. Yeah. And our last question that we asked most of our guests and you may have answered some of it, but um, uh, I'll ask it completely again. Uh, what is the best lesson you've learned uh, in sobriety and recovery and how did it help you?
2: Oh that is a good question. Mm-hmm. Man, the best lesson that I learned was that I think the best lesson that I learned was that life the things that I was using over that I thought were worth using over never were. The people that I was destroying my myself over were not doing the same to themselves and those things still happen. You know, life on life's terms, it's very cliche, but that's the truth. You know what I mean? That That's life. We all face struggles. And um, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that it's not good for man to be alone. When we are alone and isolated, we are in trouble. And I thought I was protecting myself by... You know what I mean? From all my fears that I had about letting people in. But in the end, I really did myself a disservice. So
1: great, great lesson to end this interview with. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your um, incredible experience, strength, and hope, Evelyn. And to all our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on soberpodcast.com and all places where you find major podcasts to leave us a review, sign up for our mailing list. You will also find the contact information in the show notes for our guest, Evelyn Chetzer. I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and you can find me on TikTok, where I tell a true story wearing high heels every day, Jamie underscore Brickhouse. Signing out from the Sober Podcast. Tune in for another show next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network.